Welcome to the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast, a primitive Baptist ministry declaring the good news of the finished work of salvation by grace alone. This program is brought to you weekly by Elder Joe Nettles, pastor of Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church in Caledonia, Mississippi, and Elder David Wise, pastor of Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church in Ackerman, Mississippi. Stay tuned for today's message. Welcome, listening friends, to the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast. What a joy and a privilege it is for Elder David Wise and myself, Elder Joe Nettles, to bring you these messages each and every week. Uh, if you have not been able to avail yourself of this broadcast over the airwaves, then you can go to gospel-of-grace.com. You can listen to archived messages as a church locator, frequently asked questions regarding what is a primitive Baptist, many resources. We'd love for you to go and visit that. And while you're there, Drop us an email. Let us know that you're listening. If you have questions or concerns or even dissent, we would love to hear from you. That's at gospel-of-grace.com. We'd like to welcome you to our local churches. The one I endeavor to serve is Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church, 40283 Wolf Road, outside of Caledonia, Mississippi, in the Bartahatchee community. We meet at 1030 a.m. every Sunday morning. Elder David Wise, who assists me in this radio ministry, he pastors Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church located at 11 Staten Road near Ackerman, Mississippi, right on Highway 15 between Matheston and Ackerman near the Reform community. And they also meet 10.30 a.m. every Sunday morning. Every Sunday morning except the first Sunday morning, you'll find Clear Springs Primitive Baptist Church gathering together at 10.30 a.m. every Sunday morning. And they are located on 55 Tahoe Road in Mabin, Mississippi, just outside of Starkville. They are a dear group and would absolutely love to have you come and visit with them. Come and visit us. We would love to have you. Uh, we also meet uh, a fellowship meeting, 6 p.m. every Wednesday evening on the grounds of New Covenant Church at 200 West Garrett Road in Starkville, Mississippi. We have an abbreviated message and song service, and then we break bread together, eat supper, and visit. And we invite you to come at 6 p.m. every Wednesday evening, New Covenant Church, 200 West Garrett Road in Starkville. Today we have an installment for you in a three-part series of messages titled, Jeremiah's Answer to Judah's Apostasy. And we hope that you'll stay tuned with us, and we'll be right back with today's message. This is my father's world, and to my listening ears, all nature sings, and round me rings the music of the spheres. This is my father's world,
Thank you so much for staying tuned with us again. I'm Joe Nettles, pastor of Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church. Here, turned in my 1611 Bible to Jeremiah chapter 44. And this is the second installment in a series of messages called Jeremiah's Answer to Judah's Apostasy. Now, if you missed the first message, go to gospel-of-grace.com and you can stream it there. Listen to it in full and I encourage you to do so. Because our time setting is circa 586 BC, when Nebuchadnezzar has come in, has carried a third uh, captivity off to Babylon, has subjugated and destroyed Jerusalem, uh, has uh, persecuted uh, the inhabitants of Judea and Jerusalem. And Jeremiah here has been inquired of the Jews that were remaining in Judea in that day. They came and inquired of him, what should we do? And Jeremiah told them what to do. Do not go to Egypt. Stay here. Humble yourself under this judgment of God. And they refused to do so, and they went off to Egypt. And there's some question as to whether they took Jeremiah to Egypt with them by force or whether Jeremiah went willfully. Either way, if Jeremiah did go willfully to Egypt with them, he was going with his people because he felt a burden to minister to those people. He felt he was answerable to the Lord. And even though the Lord had told them not to go to Egypt, if he did go willingly and was not dragged down there uh, by the Jews in that day, then I believe he went of a good volition because he wanted to minister to the people of God. And that's a good lesson to me as a pastor. If in fact, that's what he did. If he went willful, willingly to Egypt, to minister to this people, even in their rebellion. And that's a good message, a good lesson for myself and other pastors in this day is that sometimes we have to uh, go crying, preaching patiently with our congregants to try to lead them in the right way. Even though we see the way in which they're going, maybe the practices they're espousing, maybe some of the things that they're embracing are not according to the word of God. And we need to be careful and patient and long suffering, but always seeking the counsel of the Holy Spirit of God. Okay, so meanwhile, that's some side thoughts. We're going back here, and they, uh, we spoke in our last message how the people said, we're not going to do your way. We reject you, Jeremiah, and we think that you're just lying to us. These are not really the words of God. He does not want us to say here, we're going to Egypt. So off to Egypt they went. And uh, we talked about how the rebellion is progressive, starts slow, starts low, kind of low shelf, low key, but then it just grows in its, uh, in its destructiveness. It grows in its scope. And uh, we talked about the Jewish leader's reply. Uh, we spoke to you how it will eventually advance into frank apostasy. A little rebellion again continues to advance. And we also ended the last message on trying to teach how that the apostate people in Judah's day and Jeremiah's uh, ministry, the days of Jeremiah's ministry, they tried to give credibility to their worship, their false worship of the queen of the heavens, this uh, pagan worship that they'd embraced. They were trying to give credibility to it by pouring out drink offerings and burning incense, some of the same activities that took place in the temple. But we know uh, that those activities are false and rebellious if they are not founded upon true principles of the word of God. So let's look at another point regarding uh, these things that they're doing in refusing God and in rebelling against God. The third point I'd like to bring regarding this passage that we read is that rebellious people against God 
often try to give credibility to their rebellion by claiming the habits of their forefathers. They said, hey, you know, you remember that song by Hank Williams Jr.? If I get stoned, I'm just carrying on an old family tradition. And in that song, he was essentially trying to soften the ridiculous uh, sins in which he was uh, espousing by just saying, well, you know, my daddy did it. Uh, It's a family tradition. So, you know, we need to look at this and we need to examine our own lives. Do we do the same thing? Don't allow, my friends, don't don't allow uh, to happen to you what was being espoused by the inhabitants of Judea in this day. They said, as we have done, Our fathers, our kings, and our princes said, we've poured out drink offerings in this worship to the queen of heaven as we have done, we, our fathers, our kings, and our princes in the cities of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem. They said, here, we've got a precedent for it because of what they did. We are their offspring. So therefore, it makes it all right if we do it. You know, I've seen this same spirit in modern day churches. People carry on something that's grossly unscriptural in the church, and they say, well, my great-grandparents and great-great-grandparents did it. That's not the standard, is it? Even Adolf Hitler had great-grandparents and great-great-grandparents, okay? That's not the standard. The standard should be the Word of God, the steadfast, stalwart, unchanging, infallible Word of God. If we can find it in the Bible and it can harmonize, then we are on safe ground. But if it's not, then we need to repent of it. Believing friend today, do not allow your faith in Christ to be hemmed in by mistaken notions of the respected folks in your past. If their doctrines don't align with the Bible, then they're to be rejected, period. A man greatly respected in American history, Thomas Jefferson, he wrote some very God-honoring statements in the Constitution. And as a founding father, he's greatly respected But this man was known to desecrate the Bible. He didn't believe in the miracles stated in the Bible. And he fought against them. He even went so far as to take a penknife and cut them out of his Bible. In other words, he was a heretic, a blasphemer. But people will say, well, Thomas Jefferson did it. Would you use him as your standard? John Calvin. Some people say primitive Baptists are Calvinists. We are not Calvinists. Uh, in that sense. Now, if you want to just broad, paint us under a broad brush and say that we believe in the tulip doctrines, that we believe in predestination, election, unto salvation, and some of those things, you may label us as Calvinists, but that doesn't mean that we are Calvinists in the true sense of what Calvinists are. But John Calvin is where they get the term Calvinism from. John Calvin had was in the Catholic order And John Calvin, much to his credit, had seen much of the error and had also seen so much of a measure of truth from the word of God that was not being espoused by the Catholic order in that day. Good for you, John Calvin. But was John Calvin one that you should use as your standard? No, because John Calvin had one man who used to be his friend named Michael Servetus. Michael Servetus dared to write some notes on a a, transcript of some writings of John Calvin that were critical of some of the thoughts of John Calvin. And John Calvin had him uh, killed, uh, had him killed as a heretic, had him burned at the stake. Even though Michael Servetus craved and begged to be beheaded because it was more merciful, John Calvin and others of his band pushed to have the man burned at the stake. How much more cruel could you be? Okay. 
What about Catholic popes? Speaking of Catholicism, do you want to stand upon that as your foundation, as your forefathers, and say, because this is what our forefathers did, it makes it right for us to do it? Friends, if you'll study history, even a cursory study of uh, world history will show you that Catholic popes are responsible for the murder of millions of people through the ages, not only Christ-claiming people, but also Mohammedans and other orders. Okay, that's that lays strictly on the plate of the popes. God did not direct that, okay? No, that's not someone you want to build your foundation upon. And that's what these apostate Jews were seeking to do. Another point that we can see from this is apostate people. Apostates mean, again, as we said in our last message, those are people who deny God. Uh, They once were with God, but now they deny God. They are apostate. I don't believe there's a God. I don't believe in Jesus Christ. I don't believe in salvation. I don't believe in the resurrection. I don't believe in the afterlife. I don't believe in angels. I don't believe in all of that stuff. They often try to give credibility to their rebellion by claiming natural prosperity in which they're pre- presently living. Now, that doesn't mean that every apostate gets rich, but many do get better off in this world. Why? Because when you deny God and his righteous principles, there's nobody in this world that you wouldn't step over to get your way. And that's exactly the type of people who get wealthy in our economy today. So having said that, let's look at Jeremiah chapter 44, verse 17 through 18. These apostate Jews said, you know what? We are doing those things that are similar in the temple. We're doing these things because we had precedent by our fathers. And then they said, for then, means when we worship these pagan idols, false gods, for then had we plenty of victuals. Okay, it's spelled victuals, V-I-C-T-U-A-L-S, but the proper pronunciation of that is vittles. Somebody may say, oh, you're just a country bumpkin. Well, when country bumpkins have said vittles all these years, that's exactly the exact pronunciation of that word. They said, for then we had plenty of vittles and were well and saw no evil. But since we left off to burn incense to the queen of heaven and to pour out drink offerings unto her, we have wanted all things and have been consumed by the sword and by the famine. So here they're saying, because we've turned away from that and turned to God, that's why we're suffering now. Has it ever occurred to you, my friends, that the uh, wealth that you had, the prosperity that you once had, was not a benefit and a blessing of the Lord, but was actually your judgment? Uh, Was actually allowed to touch you? Somebody may say, you mean winning the lottery? You know, that, that can't be anything but a blessing. You better watch it. You better back up. You better lick that calf again. I'm telling you, some of the greatest curses that have ever happened to homes have been them winning the lotteries. You study. Go to websites that tell you about the lives, the testimonials of lottery winners. It can certainly be a curse upon them for their greed and their avarice. You know, many people in today's, they call themselves today's church. They're readily on the airwaves in this day and age, on the television, on the radios. And they're trying to convince you that the reason that you're not in the favor of God is because you're not wealthy right now. Because you don't have plenty of cars. You don't have a fat 401k. That everything's just not coming up sunshine and roses economically. Therefore, you're doing something wrong. And I'll tell you, they can lead astray many people who have a heart for Jesus Christ and are struggling to do what they can, and they fall prey to these false wolves in sheep's clothing and their false teaching. 
Let me just give you one such quote by a, a heretic, a, a charlatan named Jesse Duplantis from South Louisiana, I believe he's from. Jesse Duplantis, this is a quote directly from him. And he is a silly, vain man. If you ever see him on television, you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. I don't encourage you to follow him, but if you see him, you'll see exactly what I'm telling you is true. He said the very first thing on Jesus' agenda was to get rid of poverty. Notice that statement he said. The very first thing on Jesus' agenda was to what? Get rid of poverty, not to live a perfect life as representative for his people. These are my words. Not to redeem them from sin, to atone for their transgressions. None of that. Not even to establish his own righteous doctrines and precepts in the New Testament kingdom. No, Jesse Duplantis said the very first thing on Jesus' agenda was to get rid of poverty. Would you? He, said, he goes on to say, would you like to know why some people, including ministries, never get out of poverty? It's not because they aren't smart. It's not because they don't have windows of opportunity. It's because they're not anointed. If you're not anointed, poverty will follow you all the days of your life. His first objective was to get rid of poverty end quote. Now that's about as foolish and as unscriptural and dishonoring to Jesus Christ a statement as I could ever, and I just shudder to even read it for you on these airwaves today. That man needs to repent in sackcloth and ashes. What What a damnable statement. What heresy. Let's go to another one named Creflo Dollar, very well known prosperity preacher, word of faith type preacher. I quote Creflo Dollar. He said, Jesus bled and died for us so that we can, what would you insert there, believer in Christ? So that we can be saved from our just condemnation, to live in heaven with him, to honor and glorify his name forevermore, to live sanctified lives we can honor him. Those are many of the ones that I would put in that space, but let's see what old Creflo said. Creflo Dollar said, Jesus bled and died for us so that we can lay claim to the promise of financial prosperity. All I have to say to that is balderdash and poppycock, and those are lies from the very pit of hell. Now, I'll tell you, that is typical of apostate people. They want to try to prop themselves up by saying, look at how well things are going for me. Let me tell you something. Just because things are going well for you financially does not mean spiritually you're being blessed. And certainly it doesn't mean you're living in the favor of the Lord. Okay? Let's look at another point. Uh, apostate people, people who rebel against the Lord in this way, they often try to give credibility to their rebellion by claiming that the old ways are too restrictive and outdated. Why is it, my friends, that you see women in pulpits in America today? Now, somebody may say, Brother Joe, you're playing with fire, speaking out about this in our women's lib society in which we live, the society of equality. How dare you get up and say such a politically incorrect thing? It ain't my calling to be politically correct. It's my calling to be true to the word of God. Why is it do you see so many women daring to rebel against the word of God and stand in pulpits today and dare take upon themselves the mantle of the preaching ministry in the church when that is plainly in the New Testament, in multiple places, given to the men of the church? Why is it they are explicitly, we are explicitly told without a shadow of a doubt that the teaching ministry in the church is for man 
not for woman. Okay, why do you see so many people who are women in the pulpits today? Because they teach and believe that these old ways are too restrictive and they're outdated. This is exactly what the people in the days of Jeremiah tried to do. We read for you from chapter 44, verse 19. They said, and when we burned incense to the queen of heaven and poured out drink offerings unto her, we did make her cakes to worship her and pour out drink offerings unto her without our men? Question mark. So here, this is speaking from the perspective of the women. They're saying under the old ways, under the law, we didn't have right to serve in a teaching ministry in the priesthood. We didn't have that right. But now we're freed from that. We're able to pour out our own offerings to this pagan false god. We're able to be freed from this. You see, this is insinuated earlier in the context by Jeremiah. You look at chapter 44, verse 9. Notice the wording that we read earlier. I think it was in the last message. He said, have you forgotten the wickedness of your fathers and the wickedness of the kings of Judah and the wickedness of their wives and your own wickedness and the wickedness of your wives, which they have committed in the land of Judah and the streets of Jerusalem? That's right. These women had taken up the, the, the banner of women's liberation. We'll do it our own way. How much more self-willed can you be? Let me tell you something. The women do have a teaching ministry. They have an extremely important teaching ministry. And I would venture to say the most important pulpit there is in this world. And that is from their place at home, teaching the children in godliness and honesty, teaching them in faithfulness and in righteousness and in sobriety, teaching the word of God to them in the homes. That's their pulpit. That's what God has assigned them to. And the reason we are such a weak and uh, reprobate nation today is because we have dared castigate women who had the uh, bravery to stay at home and be disciplined with their finances and to bring up their children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord in the way that they should under the leadership of their husbands, teaching these children day after day in example and in word and through their examples of humility and faithfulness, reverencing their husbands, they had the bravery and the discipline to live that way and we were all better off. And now, why is it? Oh, let's stop. Let's think now. Why is it that we have teenagers in long black trench coats carrying um, weapons into schools and shooting up schools? Why is it that you have snipers set themselves up in a window and they want to gain notoriety by killing over 50 people at a country concert in Las Vegas, Nevada? Why do we see such things today and we never saw them before? Oh, there were plenty of weapons. There were plenty of destructive weapons. Tommy guns. Uh, Gatling guns, any number of destructive weapons were had, but we never saw such bloodshed. Why are we seeing it today? Because we are spiritually destitute. And a large part of that is because the abdication of the responsibilities of families to live in a God-fearing way and according to the word of God and the structure and the system in which God has established. It is still just as needful today as it ever has been. This idea of women's liberation has only brought women into bondage further. It is a misnomer. It's a lie of Satan. 
And I would encourage us to not embrace the rebellious ways. Yes, in the Primitive Baptist Church, we do not have any women preachers. And as long as we remain a true sound church, we will not have women preachers and teachers in the church. They, thank God, are teaching our children at home. And where would we be without them? We would be so lost. The church would have died off long ago had it not been for God-fearing women like Eunice and uh, uh, Phyllis of old who taught Timothy. Yes, friends, needful ministry. I'd venture to say the most needful ministry that can be had upon the face of the earth is what women do at home for their children and for their husbands. But you see, those ways are too restrictive for so many people. Those are out of date. We need some new age religion. No, no friends, we don't. That's gotten us in the sad, low state in which we're in right now. It is rebellion against God. And whether you want to try to defend it by one political party or one ideological mindset or the other, that's your business if you want to do it. But you'll never convince God that his word is wrong. So you go ahead, live in your delusion. God won't have it. He's never had it. He didn't have it in the days of Jeremiah, and he ain't going to have it in the days of Joe Biden's presidency either. I guarantee you that. He will not have it. God does not change. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Friends, God help us to turn away from these rebellious ways and embrace who we are, disciples of Jesus Christ, and this lovely old-time religion that God has given us. I pray these things have been thought-provoking to you, and I pray first and foremost that they've been honoring and glorifying to the Lord. I'm not mad at y'all. I just get uh, a fervor over my love for the Lord and love for his ways. So you ever get a chance, come see us in the Primitive Baptist Church. And until next time, we're able to speak on this subject again. May the grace of the Lord bless you all. If you enjoy the messages you hear on the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast, we invite you to visit a Primitive Baptist Church in your area. Visit our website at gospel-of-grace.com to search for a Primitive Baptist Church near you, to listen to past messages online, and to find additional contact information. This program is also available on iTunes under Podcasts with the title, The Gospel of Grace, a Primitive Baptist radio broadcast. If you enjoy our program, send us an email at gospelofgracepb at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. This program is produced by Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church, 40283 Wolf Road, Caldonia, Mississippi, and Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church, 11 Staten Road on Highway 15, just north of Ackerman, Mississippi. Come and worship with us each Sunday morning at 1030 and tune in next week for another message from the Gospel of Grace. Until next time, we pray that God shall supply all your need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus our Lord. Wonderful.